Hello, people. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm recording, so you can pull that if you like. <laughs> hey, so how's it going? Um, it's going. It's going. Today was um, kind of a bad day, and... but it's okay. We were trying that new recording method before we started. Do we do we really do we need to hold it up like a karaoke microphone with that? Hello people. <laughs> yes, I think this is what this is what's going to change us and put us in the top 100 charts every week from now on out. Clearly. Just our mic technique. Yeah. I'm just going to put the whole thing in my oh. mouth when I talk. Perfect. Yep. I I did have in college, I did get the feedback that um, everybody else was too quiet in the microphone. Mm -hmm. And in fact, somebody was told to just deep throat the mic. And I was like, let's not use that terminology. Yay. And they were like, Paul, you could probably stand back for like a mile and the mic would hear you. So I think you're good. And I was like, well, that's rude. Thanks what if I wanted input? to deep throat the I microphone? Right. <laughs> it was the sound engineer. So, like, that's the person that is actually allowed to have input. Oh, they are allowed to have input. I don't care what they think. Fair enough. <laughs> Listen, this is how Erin does feedback, which is why I've just stopped giving it to her. Mm -hmm. Because... <laughs> Aaron's well, like, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yours is just wrong. A, that's true. And two, today is not the day, and I am not the one. So um, that's pretty much how I feel. So, um, so I um, was going to tell you something. Let me think. Oh, Aaron, I can't tell you the amount of Christmas movies I have already consumed now. It's bad. I have consumed I watched, uh, exactly one. Who are we? Because you're me and I'm you now. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit depresso. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. So that's who I am right now. Not feeling the Christmas spirit this year so far. I'm so sorry. I am trying to make myself uh, because I'm trying to put up my Christmas tree and everything and my heart's just not in it right now. But I'm going to fake it till I make it. I mean, that's... Sometimes that's all you can do, unfortunately. Yep. But we will push through. We're trying. Um. Well, do you want to talk about this horrible movie? Um, the will movie was actually pretty good. Okay, good. I liked this movie. Um. I didn't see... I just, like haphazardly picked one for you or yeah. what do they say on um and that's why I drink haphazardly haphazardly <laughs> yes um uh yeah this movie was actually pretty good um this week I watched the girl in the bunker um nobody dies so that's good I always like that um it stars Julia Lalonde. Okay. She plays Lizzie. I mean, you crushed it. Thank you. 
She was in Evil Stepmom, which is another Lifetime joint, um, Anne of Green Gables, and Odd Squad. Okay. Henry Thomas, who plays Vincent, or who I call Small Peen, but we'll get there. Perfect. <laughs> um, you will probably know him best because he played Elliot in the movie E.T., Is now the time that I tell you I've never seen E.T., but I know who you're talking about. He was also in Legends of the Fall, Suicide Kings, Midnight Mass, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, The Haunting of Hill House, and Dr. Sleep. I've seen that one. The Haunting of Hill House? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's like the one horror thing my friend convinced me to watch a couple years ago, and um, it still haunts my nightmares, so there's that. So I think that you would like the the next iteration, the um, haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, Bly Manor, because it is more a gothic romance. Okay. Yeah. Then, like, it's a little ghosty, but it's more a gothic romance than it is a ghost story like Haunting of Hill House was. The crooked neck lady had me fucked up for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um. Same. And then- also, it's an incredible book. And then finally, we have Moira Kelly. She plays who I call Mom. Um, I know Perfect. her from the West Wing. She played Mandy. Um, love that show. Um, but she was also in One Tree Hill, Twin Peaks, Deadly Sorority, which we've covered here, Christmas in Louisiana, which is a lifetime Christmas movie. And she also... Oh, yeah. It's an interesting one. She also voiced a a character in a little, small indie film that you might have heard of called The Lion King. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. She plays the voice of Nala in The Lion King. I I know it's a very... Oh, young Nala or adult Nala? Adult Nala. I know it's a very nuanced callback, um, but... If you've ever heard yeah. of it, then you'll know who she is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know it's so it didn't do very well at the box no. office. So Mm-mm. I'd be surprised if you've ever seen it. No. It do you really remember didn't. the pictures that I do you remember the pictures I sent y'all of little boy watching Lion King with us the first time? And he looked like he was going to just weep. That was yes. a year ago this week. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, note to self, can't watch anything. I love how you refer to him as little boy here, but a minute ago you were like, your child punched me in the face. (laughs) Well, listen, that's just because I won't say his name. I didn't say like cute little boy or endearing little angel or anything like that. He's just (laughs) descriptive right now. He's a cute little boy and an endearing little angel. How dare you? (sighs) He punched me in the jaw. He's three. He is real cute, though. He was mad. Because as I was coming... As I was coming up here to record, I said, I was like, okay, I have to go to work. You're going to be asleep whenever I get home. I love you. And he said, no, you don't want to go to work. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, you're right. <laughs> we open in, I'm going to butcher this, Lugoff, South Carolina? You know, it. there's no way to know. Um, a girl named Lucy is in class when a couple of people come in and tell her to collect her things and then take her away into the hallway. And um, you would think that was totally weird and wouldn't come back, but it does. Oh, no. Um, another classmate asks 
about her on the bus ride home and her friend is like, oh my God, Lucy's mom is super weird. Um, so that girl walks home from the bus and says hello to her brother and then calls her mom from the corded phone in the kitchen, which is incredible. Okay. Um, later that evening, she's putting on lipstick in her room and her mom comes in to watch her. She's like, oh my gosh, are you trying to be um, Jean Harlow or um, Jean Simmons? Because she's putting on like bright like, red lipstick. Oh. <laughs> oh no. And she just looks up and she goes, Who's Jean Harlow? Love it. And the mom's like, Never mind. Yes. <laughs> um, then we see the house from the outside, and the camera pans over into the woods where a man is digging a hole. Story of my life. Lizzie's dad is going hunting the next day, and. Mom tells him to try to bring back something worth eating. So Lizzie is the girl. Um, it was very confusing because Lucy and Lizzie are so close together. I was like, are they both named Lizzie? Yeah. I don't understand. Um, anyway, so they're running late. So Lizzie doesn't notice something drop out of her bag and onto her bedroom floor. It was mascara. She tries to convince her mom to go back and get it, but her mom tells her no. So she tells her mom that she's sick of her, and her mom tells her that, that if that's the attitude she's going to have, then don't even bother coming home. Given the title of this film, I'm going to assume this was a major error on mom's part. <laughs> um, I mean, she comes straight back home with a gallon of milk, and, like, the movie's over. It was really just a short between two other films on Lifetime. Totes my goats. It was like that KFC thing. Yes, exactly. I'd forgotten about Which that. Which I'm still not even sure if it was just, if that was just a fever dream that I had or if that was a real thing that happened. Right. <laughs> um, in French class, a boy passes her a note asking if they're still getting together Saturday. Interesting, since Lizzie did ask her mom in the car if she could go to a friend's house on Saturday, but not a boyfriend. Oh, are you sure it wasn't a gender neutral name? I'm pretty sure the kid that asked her if he was coming to her ha to his house is her boyfriend. His name is Case, and he is definitely her boyfriend. Right. right. You said she asked to go to a friend's house. Was she like, can I go to Ashley's house? Or was she like, can I go to a friend's house? And left it, like, vague. Oh, she was like, can I go to Madeline's house? There we go. Okay, so it wasn't like Taylor, which could go either way. No. Um, gotcha. Um, so then we randomly cut to the dad hunting in the woods. Um, and then back at school, Lizzie tells the boy that maybe she'll see him on Saturday, wink, wink. And, um, on the way home from school, he rolls a joint and offers Lizzie some. She says, no, thanks. And then he asks her to hold his weed until Saturday and offers her a ride home. But she's like, no, I'll just walk. That's fine. Okay, so I'm sure that this is not what he meant, but I picture her just, like, holding this joint for, like, two days, just, like, in Listen, her hand the joint like becomes a big thing in this story, and it's so fucking dumb, so we'll get there. Great. As she's walking up to her house, a random dude pops out of the woods claiming to be the police. Lizzie goes over to him and he tells her that she's under arrest because he found a bunch of marijuana plants growing 
around her property and so he they've are or they're arresting her and her little brother and not like her parents or anyone that would actually grow weed <laughs> okay okay what an idiot also oh. lizzie uh, lucy 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 lizzie who okay lizzie i'm sorry that you got caught up in this that he's such an idiot and that he's a grown man who overpowered you i'm so sorry he handcuffs her and then puts a collar on her saying it's a bomb and if she runs away he's going to detonate it and this town has a uh, really weird police protocols i'm really confused listen i just told you that police tried to prove that someone was gay so they wouldn't have to investigate a homicide so patreon.com slash lifetime sentence um He leads her off. I like how you just picked up a beer to drink and I picked up a coffee. Like, (laughs) Um, he leads her off into the woods and through a stream back at home. Lizzie's brother is playing video games and mom calls to check on them. She's not super concerned yet that Lizzie's not home. Um, But back in the woods, the man asks Lizzie if she has a cell phone and asks her how old she is. She's 14. And no, she does not have a cell phone. Then he asks her if she's a virgin, and she just gets this weird look on her face, so they keep walking. Um, Mom calls back again asking for Lizzie and makes Bobby, her brother, go to the end of the driveway to see if she's out there. Um, okay. While he does that, she calls Lizzie's friend, Madeline, who also doesn't know who where Lizzie is. Back in the woods, Lizzie asks the guy again what is going on, and he sits her down and says, quote, listen... There are no police. You've just been kidnapped is all. And if you try to run away, I'll blow your head off. Casual. Oh, listen. If I gave that speech once last week, I gave it a hundred thousand times. Then he chastises her for not figuring out what this is all about by now. So he sucks. Um, Bobby. I like how this is the moment where you decide he sucked, not like the explosive non-explosive dog collar oh, situation no. i had already or... decided but he he gets suckier as okay. time goes on so oh great okay just progressively suckier so bobby goes to the end of the driveway where he meets up with madeline nobody knows where lizzie is so mom looks at her co-worker and is like i gotta go bye and takes off her lab coat while bolting out of the building her co-worker's like okay um Back in the woods, the man tells Lizzie to wait by a tree. He uncovers some leaves and then opens a bunker and tells her to get down there or she'll regret it. Um, He follows her in and then takes the bomb collar off of her. Lizzie starts to cry, but the man assures her it's going to be okay. And then he puts a chain around her neck, so it's definitely not going to be okay. Um, Perfect. Love it. Lizzie asks if he's going to kill her, and he just smiles at her? Ew. Um, Mom gets home, and Lizzie still isn't there, so she drives to find Madeline, Madeline's mom and Bobby. Um, She finds them, and they still haven't found Lizzie, so she calls 911. An hour and a half later, she calls back because no one has shown up at her house. Because she got connected to the wrong county. And I'm just going to set everything on fire now. Is this South Carolina? Listen, South Carolina. What are you doing? What are you doing? So she finally calls the correct county. Because, of course, she has to do that herself. Because 911 can't be bothered to lift their fingers and make a phone call. 
um, dad comes back from hunting and the mom is like, where the fuck have you been all day? You know, like, <laughs> um, even though she knew exactly where he was. Um, right. And he's like, okay, this is going to be fine. There has to be a reasonable explanation for all of this. Like, it's going to be okay. And we cut to the police searching for Lizzie with dogs. They don't find anything, so they go back, back to her parents and ask if she might have run away. Mom insists that Lizzie wouldn't run away, but the cops are like, listen, kids run away all the time. Um, this is totally a thing that we've seen before because we are very smart police officers um, and you are a stupid not police officer. So I'm sure she'll be and back tomorrow woman. morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Lizzie is spending her first night in the bunker. The next morning, Lizzie has shockingly not returned home. Weird. Um, Dad goes out to search for her, and the police interview her boyfriend um, in a very dark gym. Great. Um, They immediately assume that he has something to do with it, because 14-year-olds are criminal masterminds, am I right? Um, Oh, yeah. They interview Madeline, and she confirms that she and that Lizzie and Case, the boy, are dating, but just for a few weeks, back in the bunker... The small peen kidnapper tells a crying Lizzie that she needs to calm down and accept her situation and not even think about escaping because that he has the whole place rigged to explode. Then he threatens to kill her, oh, to kill her brother and assures her that this isn't even as bad as she's making it out to be. So she should really just be grateful. I don't know for what. Right. Um, oh, this is what she should be grateful for because there's all the creature comforts she should ever want down there in the hole in the ground uh-huh great uh-huh. um he then tells Love her it. that the more she cries the more he wants to hurt her um back in the interviews the cops tell the uh, tell case that the that he they heard he gave lizzie a whole half a joint to hold on to so clearly he also made her disappear um well i mean this checks out they have once again nailed it um everyone else can go home back in the bunker the kidnapper who finally says his name is vinson makes lizzie ramen noodles while complaining about how he never has to cook for himself his wife does it for him and then before that his mom did it and wow that's a lot to unpack (laughs) are we're proud of this vinson has clearly had a very hard life um then he force feeds her ramen and tells her that she hasn't made the news yet so nobody must be looking for her lizzie's mom asked the police that they will finally put out an amber alert on her and they're like well no because we heard that her boyfriend gave her half a joint and so obviously she ran away i mean this checks out i don't know what you're mad about lizzie's mom tells them that there's no way lizzie ran away and so tweedle d and tweedle dipshit go to report back to their boss that lizzie obviously ran away over half a joint their boss, however, isn't so sure about that because, I don't know, maybe he has half a brain cell. Um, Tweedle dipshit is like, well, it has to be it, that, because we didn't find anything else. Oh, okay. So the boss is like, Fucking idiots. Is this all you two yokels have done for the past two days? And I have to do everything by my goddamn self, don't I? So he organizes an actual search party. Um, they do a grid search and pick some uh, pick up some evidence while the family and friends start distributing flyers. Case and Madeline uh, meet up and Case is like, I am in so much trouble because of you. And Madeline's like, I don't care. So, <laughs> um, 
um, you should go say hello to Lizzie's parents. So he does, and the dad is, like, not having it. But the mom is like, shut up to the dad. <laughs> um, they go off and meet the sheriff, who assumes that they're, that, who, who assures them that they're doing everything they can, except, of course, issue an Amber Alert, um, because they don't have a vehicle description and there is no evidence that she's been abducted. But everything else, that they're doing that. So, um, the dad storms off to have a private moment. Um, I assume he doesn't want to murder all these police officers in broad daylight, so that's good. Um, in the bunker, Lizzie continues to have flashbacks of her boyfriend. She wakes up to more ramen noodles, and small peen Vincent asks her if she likes the outdoors. He tells her that he used to be a Boy Scout and how much he loves Rambo movies. He laments about how now that he's grown up, he doesn't get any time to play anymore. Oh, great. So Dad and his hunting buddies trespass onto Small Peen's land trying to find Lizzie. They are literally standing on top of the bunker, but Small Peen covers her mouth and says that if she makes a sound, he'll kill her. They don't find the bunker, unfortunately, um, and so Mom and Dad give a press conference. Lizzie and Small watch. Um, the media calls her an at-risk runaway. And Lizzie... Um, but that's a lie. Like, yeah. that, that's a fucking lie. But Lizzie um, watches her mom give a speech to the press about how much they want her to come home. And Small tells her that, quote, Ain't nobody gonna find you. Great. Um, it's day four. I'm gonna and- throw something. Okay. It's day four and Small is getting restless, so he starts shooting random things inside the bunker, like you do. Lizzie asks him why he chose her, and he tells her that she was just, quote, right place, right time. He tells her he's only doing this because he didn't have a choice, and then he tells her all about his broken heart and how his wife hurt him by saying that he raped her, and how much the police ruined his life by telling everyone that he was a rapist. Wah. Um. Oh, that's the direction they went? Yes. Or does no, more come out later? There is more to that, yes. Okay, okay. Um, he tells Lizzie that he had originally planned to kidnap his wife, so he had to find someone else, and then he found her. Yay. Um, he tells Lizzie that she's the bait, and since the whole place is rigged with bombs, once the cops come looking for her, the whole place will explode, and he'll have his revenge, or whatever. On day five... Dad heads out again to search while Mom begs him to take a break. Lizzie wakes up while Small is still sleeping and tries to reach the gun, but she can't because of the chain around her neck. Small wakes up and asks what she's doing, and so she says she has to use the bathroom. He unlocks her and then hears a helicopter, so he puts tinfoil on top of them so that heat cameras can't see them? Question mark? They're leftovers. If the, <laughs> if the heat cameras look down, they'll see the tinfoil and they'll think we're potatoes. <laughs> So Lizzie at this point starts to put the moves on him and tells him that she was sad the other day when he said that she meant nothing to him. She asks him to leave the chain off of her and he agrees because this guy's fucking stupid. Um, and then he rapes her while she pretends it's case. So that sucks. Um, day six, mom and dad get into a fight. Dad storms out to his truck and cries while Lizzie whispers the Lord's prayer. And let me tell you that shit was effective because I totally welled up. Oh. 
The police keep searching. Um, they say they're going to give the area one last pass and then move on to somewhere else. Over in the bunkie. In a... <laughs> <laughs> bunkie, sweet bunkie. I now imagine that it's decorated with shiplap and like only signs from Hobby Lobby that say like live, laugh, explosions. And... <laughs> live, laugh, explosions. Home is where the rape is, but like in a really pretty script. Home is where my gun is. Oh, God. Over in the bunker, Lizzie keeps laying it on thick and gets Small to teach her to use his gun. Um, later, he tells her to put on her shoes because they're going for a walk. Yay! And then he handcuffs her just in case she gets any stupid ideas. Boo. He puts on his night vision goggles so he can be just like the military. Oh, of course, this dude is. Oh, are they okay? Are they real night vision goggles, or after the tinfoil situation, you can see why I'm concerned? I don't know, but he tells her he got them at the discount store for one hundred and sixty nine dollars. So it's just binoculars painted green on the end. He tells her to stay close because he has all kinds of booby traps all around. They go to his car to get more ramen and then head to the creek to get more water. He tells her it's not clean, but it'll be fine once they boil it. Um, then he Great. stops to text his wife. But not oh, really. We'll get lovely. there. We're going to get there. Okay. Lizzie ta- asks about her again, and he says he feels like Lizzie understands her- him better than his wife does. Uh, Lizzie demurs and tells him how much she likes being with him. He tells her that he just wants to make her happy. And then they get interrupted by a helicopter searchlight. Smart, smart Lizzie leaves behind her shoe and is like, oh no, I lost my shoe. But Small doesn't mind too much. Um, Then it turns out that the big bad searchlight they were running from was only the moon. (laughs) Oh, great. Um, That's what you get for buying $150 night vision goggles. For real. Um, they go back to the bunker. Um, Lizzie wakes up in the night and tries to send her mom a text using Small's phone. And then she gets his gun and tries to shoot him, but it jams. None of this wakes him up. Your boy I is out run. cold. Is she chained up? No. But there's all she thinks there are all those booby traps. I don't know if they're yeah, there or not. She thinks so. the whole place is going to explode. Yeah. Um, the police go to mom and dad's house and tell them that they're starting... They're going to start concentrating the search on other states where Lizzie has been spotted and tell her that they're going to stop searching for her, basically. Great. Love it. Tweedle Dipshit goes to the search tents and tells the other police that it's time to wrap things up because clearly she's not anywhere around there. Um, Lizzie's mom is, like, totally defeated, and she's, like, she goes out to where her friend's are holding a candlelight vigil and she's like you guys don't have to stay here forever and then she walks to the edge of the woods and remembers looking at the moon with Lizzie in the past dad comes out and apologizes to her about the fight they had they both agree that they're not going to give up Um, the next day they're headed to something and mom looks at her phone and finds the text from Lizzie mom thinks it's her but dad isn't so sure so they call the police again over in the bunker, Small is putting on all his tactical gear for the day because, you know, dressed to impress. Um, Obviously, yeah. 
and he notices his gun is jammed. So he asks Lizzie if she knows what happened. And she's like, no, I swear I don't. And I would never lie to you. Um, Small is like, I know it was you. And she's like, no. She like takes his hand and she's like, I would never lie to you. Please don't push me away. And so he's like, oh, it must have been me. You fucking idiot. I hate you. Um, the police send Tweedle Dipshit and Tweedle D to investigate the text message. Mom insists that it's real. Um, Tweedle D, whose name I'm not, I'm going to have to change because it has to be something dumber than that. Takes the phone from her and calls <laughs> the phone back. Um, Mom and brother Bobby oh are both like, shouldn't we not do that? Shouldn't we do like not that for sure? And he tells her, quote, thanks for the tip, but in case you couldn't tell, I'm a police officer. No. We actually can't tell, dumbass. <laughs> this is where I screamed at my Fuck. TV. Fuck all the way off. <laughs> um, thankfully, Small and Lizzie are in the bunker, so the call doesn't go through. Um, they go on the move again to get more food. Small texts his wife because he's mad that she didn't leave something that he wanted. Wah. Um Tweedledee tells Lizzie's mom to try calling the phone again, and thankfully, before she does, the only cop in this town with two brain cells to rub together shows up again to tell her that if it was Lizzie, calling the phone could put her in danger. Duh. This is why there need to be more female police officers. Oh, the, it's not a female. It's just a... I know it's not. I'm just saying, I feel like... I feel like there would have been more brain cells available if there were at least one woman available. True. He says they're going to do research on the number and they cannot tell anyone about the text because if the media finds out, the report will tip off the kidnapper that they're on to him. Um, the sheriff finds out that it's a track phone and it was bought by a woman named Catherine. So they drive to her trailer. When they get there, Tweedledee finds a quarter of her brain cell in his memory and remembers that he's been there before and he knows who kidnapped Lizzie. Small peen Vincent. Catherine Great. was his girlfriend. Not his wife. We'll get to it. Okay. They go inside and ask her about Small, and she's like, I have no idea. I don't I've never seen him before in my life. At least not in the years since we broke up. Um, she tells the sheriff that unless he's accusing her of something, this is harassment. But Tweedledee and Tweedle dipshit lift up her mattress and find a hole in the ground. Sheriff drops down okay. into it because he has to do everything in this town and figures out that this is probably right. where Small hid whenever the police came a-calling about his situation. Okay. Um, they search her shed and find another hole in the ground. This leads the... So this guy has a thing for holes, is yeah, what you're This literally me. leads the, uh, the sheriff to be like, We've got a digger. And I was like, is that a thing? It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he could think to say. Is that a thing? Like dig like digging holes? Is that a thing? I, I have no idea. He he used up both of his brain cells lifting up the mattress. What did you want him to say? Um, so they start questioning Catherine, but they catch her in a lie pretty quickly. They remind her that if Lizzie dies, that would make her an accomplice to murder, so she leads them to Small's car. She insists that she does not know where the bunker is, though, so they decide to start searching um, again and to release the information about a about the text, thinking that 
the ensign is going to like out himself. Um, Lizzie and Small hide under the tinfoil again and turn on the news just in time to see the news about the text. Uh oh. Small is busted and Lizzie is completely fucked. Lizzie swears she didn't do anything and it wasn't her. He starts punching the top of the bunker. She swears she didn't touch his phone and he tells her that he should just kill her right now and puts the gun to her head. Sheriff and the Tweedles, meanwhile, are trying to figure out when and where they should search and when they are confronted by a very pissed off dad, rightfully so. Good. Who is saying I choose to imagine that they were... I choose to imagine they were running around like cartoon style with their feet a blur, but not going anywhere. Just like looking up the sky, like, what do we do next? What do we do next? So he comes out and he's like, you have put my daughter in danger. Also true. Uh, the sheriff is like, look, we took a calculated li- risk and dad loses his shit. Again, rightfully so. Sheriff insists that small is a coward. And that means that he's probably going to run. And that means that they can find Lizzie for reasons. I don't know. Um, right. Back okay. in the bunker, Lizzie insists that she never touched his phone and she would never hurt him. She tells him to check his phone and see if she sent a text, which she deleted the text um, after she sent it. She posits that maybe the police are making it all up to try and scare him. She begs him to believe her because she loves him and she wants them to be together. He asks what they should do now and she cries because she's like, if the police catch you, you'll go to jail. He proposes to her, and she's like, sure, but aren't you already married to the lady that keeps bringing the food? Yeah. And no, that's his girlfriend. Oh, okay. I was in love with... Wait for it. Keep waiting. I know it's coming, but I don't like it. Keep waiting forever, because I don't want to tell you, but I guess I will anyway. Her daughter... Uh-uh. That he called his wife because he wanted to marry her. Lizzie asks no. what the daughter's real name is, and it's Lucy, the girl from the beginning of the movie that got called into the out into the hallway. That's when uh-uh. the police took her away from her parents. Oh my god. Oof. He asks how it could ever be right for two people to be together when they love each other. He says he doesn't want to lose her and points the gun back at her head. I don't know why. She says she doesn't. She wants to be with him forever, so he takes the gun away. He leaves the bunker saying that he loves her, and then when this all blows over, because that's a thing that's going to happen, um, he'll come right. and find her again. And I'm like, you fucking piece of shit idiot. Please go now. Um, the next day, the police are searching for her again with dogs very carefully because of the booby traps or whatever. Case and Madeline are okay. there um, with the family that are waiting at the house. So... And dad, like, apologizes to Case for being a dick before. Because, like, before he was like, you're the one that got my daughter into the situation when he really didn't. So, Right. Lizzie, who has just been sitting in the bunker, staring at the door, I assume, like, I would do. Cause, right. Tentatively lets herself out. Of course, she's just waiting for Small to jump down out of a tree or out of a bush and shoot her the whole time. She calls out, hello, hello, and the sheriff hears her. He calls to her, and she screams, quote, I'm over here. Sheriff hightails it over there, stepping on a bomb on the way that doesn't go off. He picks it up and chucks it into the woods and rushes over to where he finds Lizzie and says, quote, I've been looking everywhere for you. She cries, Mm. and he puts his jacket on her. 
Back in the front of the house where all Lizzie's family and friends are gathered, the sheriff's SUV pulls up. Mom stares wide-eyed as he gets out of the car and just nods his head that they found her. The family rushes to the hospital and the nurse points them in the direction of her room saying, quote, you can see her, but you can't touch her. Lizzie runs to her mom and there's a big family hug because, duh. <laughs> um, right. They're reunited, yay. And then the ending quote is, quote, Benson, small peen, that's my, um, that's my edition. <laughs> um, that's your editorializing? Bill Yao was found guilty of multiple charges. He was sentenced to 421 years without parole. Elizabeth continues to rebuild her life. I hope you're miserable, small peen. Bye. That is the end. Oh, it's interesting they ended it that way. Yeah. I, I'm really, yeah, I'm really I hope kind of miserable. bummed that they did not go into like how they captured him because I'm really curious. Oh, it was super anticlimactic. That must be why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, my notes, as I told you today, are pretty short um, because this case is short and sweet. I mean, not sweet, but the information was short and sweet. I mean, this movie was actually pretty good. I would recommend, like, this is one I would recommend people actually watch. It was really good. Good. Okay. Um, A lot of my information I got from um, the Today Show. She interviewed on the Today Show. Okay. and so I got a lot of information from like her, like from the victim, from the survivor. Um, and um, there were some other interviews floating around, but in general, they all said the same information. So the thing about on, his I'm, girlfriend's daughter just. Uh huh. So I just want to Tarantino this and open with the ending. On September 19th, 2007. A Beaufort County, or Beaufort County, surely it's Beaufort County, judge sentenced an unemployed construction worker named Vincent Filiaw to 421 years for the kidnapping, a criminal sexual assault, and criminal sexual assault of Elizabeth Schoff, who was 14 years old at the time of her abduction. Bye bye. 421 years. That's intense. I'm not even mad. Like, get fucked. I'm not my mad da- at my all. Guy. Go, for, like, go away. Ugh, you're trash. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Elizabeth was walking home from school in Lugoff, South Carolina, when a man dressed in combat fatigues, um, claiming to be a police officer, approached her. He told her he'd received reports of a teenager out walking and smoking weed and that she was under arrest. He handcuffed her and led her deep into the woods, walking in this weaving, confusing, like, path to disorient her. And once she was good and lost, he stripped her naked and chained her up in a cramped and dank bunker that he had dug in the ground next to his trailer house. And then several times a day for the next ten days, he raped her. I uh, thankfully this movie did not show a lot of sexual assault. They show it once and I think really like whenever she would like disassociate and go back like into memories and be like remembering times with her family or with her boyfriend or with her friends, that was when she was being raped. That's but what it was, was happening. It was like a yeah. much that is a much better way to deal with that to me. That's really well done. Yeah. Cuz I don't so want to see that crap. Um right. Um, the man who had abducted her was 36-year-old Vincent Filiaw, 
who was a suspect in a separate, unrelated sexual assault case. In November 2005, a judge had issued a search warrant for Phil Yaw for the sexual assault of his girlfriend's 12-year-old daughter. 12! And the police really outdid themselves by, you know, being so good at catching him that he managed to dig out a fucking bunker next to his house, which he filled with porn, guns, canned food, a taser, handcuffs, and homemade explosives. All the things you need to... Well, yeah, like, when we hear that there's a hurricane coming toward Louisiana, Aaron, this is what they tell us to grab on the news. They're like, um, Hurricane Aaron is headed toward Louisiana, so everybody go out and grab your porn, guns, canned food, taser, handcuffs, and homemade explosives. That brings up a different question for me. Okay. South Carolina is pretty well into hurricane country. It's on the coast. How did they not flood? How did he not flood out his bunkers? Listen. I don't get it. Like we don't have we that... don't have basements here in Texas because because we would just dig into the ocean, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know how far below sea level South Carolina is cuz that's the thing is like that's I don't know where that like spot that, in like, South Carolina is. We're so close to sea level that we don't have we don't have basements. Right, we're below sea level You're here, below so we don't sea have level, basements. So you can't have basements. I just it, right. It is interesting to me that he was able to do that at all. Right. Um. So yeah. Um. So in two thousand eight, Phil told. Dateline. I guess you could say I'm a person that holds a grudge. Get fucked, my guy, please. And thank so you. when he couldn't get back at his 12-year-old victim, who was moved into foster care, quote, the second plan was to kidnap somebody else, draw all of Kershaw County into one general area, and then just blow them all up. And that really he, was his fucking plan. I mean, A, that's fucking stupid. And two, can you, like, okay, this poor 12-year-old girl has already been traumatized and assaulted. And now her ex-mother's boyfriend, whatever, goes and kidnaps another girl who potentially she went to school with. I'm not sure if that fact is actually true, but... I don't know that to be true. Potentially they knew each other, maybe, or knew of each other. And, like, that would be just so much more damaging than the first thing. I, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. Um, People are awful. So so when 14-year-old Elizabeth did not return home from school on September 6, 2006... Um, her parents called police. By the way, this was not done intentionally, Aaron. Um, my Patreon episode happened a month before this. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's rough. That is... Like, it was, it was August 2nd, 2006. This is September 6th, 2006. Oh, my God. Uh, so... Um, when Elizabeth did not return from home from school, her parents called police, 
And so lacking any evidence that she'd been abducted, her case was initially treated as a runaway, despite her parents' insistence that their daughter would never run away from home. So I'm going to take this moment, Erin, to write a letter to all police. So this is just a PSA, just like, just listen, like, dear police, mm-hmm. from the bottom of my heart, stop assuming they're fucking runaways. If children run away, it's still your job to find them. Yeah, they're still kids. They're still minors who are not in their home, which means they are unsafe until they're accounted for. It's your fucking job to be part of that. I feel like this is all like part of a like a, a thing where the police are like, well, maybe they're better off not being at home and maybe we're doing them a favor. But like, then find them and ask. Do your fucking job. Right. That, that's not the police's determination. Like, if they think that they're better off, then that's when they get the caseworkers involved from DCFS. Like, there's a process. And, yes, police are part of that process, but they're not the final word in what is safe. I, I, in what is safest for the kid. Their Listen, job is to make sure that child is put... Oh. Every white man in America currently, mostly currently, considers themselves judge, jury, and executioner on any given day of the week. Oh, I know. It just makes me so mad. Like, I, every time we do a case where they're like, well, did you ever consider she just ran away? Well, maybe, but it's still your fucking job to help find them. Right? She's 14, not 19. Right. Like, I don't understand, like. But it's the same thing with, like, adult missing persons where it's like, oh, well, their car was found in this random place and all their stuff is inside of it. Um, no phone, keys, money, wallet, anything. They didn't take anything with them. But they they probably just, like, walked away and started a new life. How often right. does that happen? Um, and I know I've said this before, but it is a lie that you have to wait 24 hours to report somebody missing. And, yes, police yeah. will give you a hard time. You just keep pressing. If you think there is someone who has gone missing that needs to be found and it's been less than 24 hours you press until they do all the proper things you do not have to wait 24 hours that is something they suggest it is not a requirement yeah i think this was on was it in our patreon last week where i said basically they'll tell you anything to get you to go the fuck away yeah Now, to be fair, even if police had issued an Amber Alert immediately, it wouldn't have helped in this particular case because she was deep in the woods in a surprisingly well-hidden underground pit surrounded, you know, by porn and guns and tinned meats. Yay. Porn and spam. That's my my favorite weekend. What I want. (laughs) In an interview with Today, Elizabeth said, that she kept her spirits up by thinking about her family and friends and through prayer. She also realized that she could not hope to be found and that she would have to discover her own way out. Okay. She said, quote, I guess if I wanted him to trust me, I'd have to, I'd have to have him think I kind of wanted to be there and to be more comfortable letting him do things I wanted. I wanted, sorry. I guess if I wanted him to trust me, I'd have to have him think I kind of wanted to be there and be more comfortable letting him do things to me that he wanted to do. 
I always would do what he told me to do and like he'd always call me baby so I'd call him that back and he'd tell me he loved me and I told him that I love him which is I'd act like I really liked him and I wanted to be with him she went on to say can you even imagine being 14 and having that much awareness I don't have that awareness now at 33 so um this plan worked in a few days he trusted her enough to give her his cell phone so she could play games on it Um, but when he went to sleep she used the phone to send text messages to her parents and her friends so the one she sent to her mom said quote hi mom i'm in a hole across from charm hill where the big trucks go in and out there's a bomb call police and (laughs) Aaron, you're the parent of a teenager. Can you imagine getting this text in the middle of the night? Um, yes and no, because <laughs> if that happened to me, there is not a goddamn chance in hell that I'm waiting for the cops. I'm going to the place and I'm right. finding my kid. And right. that little bunker, that bunker boy 2.0 better be fucking ready because I he I, he better hope his bombs work because I'm going to kill him with my bare hands. Uh-huh. Yep. He would have wished you'd called the cops. Yeah. For Listen, I tell it to my own kid all the time. Like, if you ever do... I always tell him if he ever lays a hand on a woman, he better hope the cops find him before I do. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Sheriff Tomley, who was on this case said quote it was either one of the greatest breaks we could hope to have or a prank by someone trying to be funny and threw a wrench in the way of us finding this girl Uh, why don't we treat it like it's true until we prove that it's not yeah right so he now teaches criminology at camden military academy in south carolina so um interesting so this must be our cop um, that has a brain cell yes So when her mother received the message, Kershaw County Police released it to the media, and Elizabeth recalled watching the little television in the bunker with Small Peen when it was broadcast. I've been fucking terrified. uh Uh-huh. Police had been triangulating in on the signal from the cell phone, and she... Um, she and Vincent had seen helicopters flying overhead and now the news report filled him with fear and rage and Elizabeth said I was scared I was going to die he was mad and I didn't know what to do but through his rage he stopped and asked Elizabeth what he should do she said so I told him he needed to leave because if they'd catch him he would, if they caught him he'd go to jail right yeah I mean she's not wrong Right. So Vincent took her advice and the next morning when she knew that he was gone for sure because he left like right then during the 7 o'clock news she climbed out of the hole in the ground and wandered her way through the woods calling for help. She said I was yelling for somebody, anybody to come and get me. Finally I heard somebody yell my name and they came and took me to the hospital and I just started crying. I was so happy. Thank God. So, um, Sheriff Tomley said the morning of September 16th, 2006, we'd set up a search, a line search, and I was on the end of the line with officers inside of each other. 
I was just walking the line and I heard someone yelling for help. So I ran through the woods and when I broke through the wood line, I could see her standing by the top of the bunker. He went on to say, I received credit many times for saving her and I did not. That child saved herself. Good and we for stand- you. I got goosebumps. Even though I wrote this, I got goosebumps again reading it because we stand a white man who gives credit where credit is fucking due. That is the damn truth. I mean, I'm not, I mean, Lizzie really did save herself. And even if she had sat in the bunker because she was too afraid to come out and they had eventually found her, she's the one that told them where she was. She is the one that reached that, that risked her life over and over again to try to be, to try to be saved. I mean, they right. were just following her instructions, so. 100%. Um, so, Elizabeth was rushed to the hospital and reunited with her family. Police arrested Vincent Villal on September 17th, so the next day, walking along a highway with a pellet gun, a knife, and night vision goggles just a few miles from the bunker. Okay. So, the night vision goggles were real. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what he thought he was going to do with them. What I love is that they got the detail about the pellet gun because he he was teaching her to use the gun and she was she, he was like, oh yeah, it's a pellet gun. Like, it won't hurt you unless you put it like right up to someone's head, which is why she put it right up to his head and pulled the trigger when it jammed. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, she was not uh, fucking around. She was ready to kill that man and it was good for her. Yeah. So, in September 2007, a year after this ordeal, he confessed and pleaded guilty rather than going to trial and was sentenced to 421 years in prison with no chance of parole. Quote, I used an innocent young lady as a pawn. I can only hope one day they will be able to forgive me because I cannot forgive myself, he said at his sentencing, and fuck you. Yeah, I don't care about your statement. (laughs) Um, uh, Elizabeth's mom, Madeline, however, said, I don't think he should be allowed to live that long and to live off, live off us. I just think something else should have been done. Like she was mad that there was not the death penalty involved in this. And I, I get that rage. I get that, but it also is way more expensive to kill someone than it is to. No, I know we've discussed that. Yeah. Um, so on April 7, 2011, he threatened to harm an employee, like a state employee, according to the South Carolina Bureau of Prisons. And so that deprived him of canteen privileges, visit, and telephone use for 226 days. Okay, so bye. his release date was set for May 18, 2353. Um, his defense attorney said at his sentencing... Quote, Vincent is as Vincent is as tragic a person as I'll ever see. But the sheriff said, quote, he's just a coward and that's all he'll ever be. So we've got we've got two very interesting views here. True story. Um in May of twenty twenty one, Vincent Filial was found dead in his cell at McCormick Correctional Institution in South Carolina. There were no immediate signs of foul play, and an autopsy would be conducted to determine a cause of death. McCormick County Coroner Faye Puckett confirmed that the prisoner had died. Um, Oh, so initially she'd confirmed that a prisoner had died in the jail, but had declined to name the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, 
His identity was confirmed to the state by an unnamed official source, and to date, no official cause of death has been released. Um, so bye. A and E True Crime also had some information about this um, case and ended it with quote: "The good news is these types of crimes are statistically rare." That was a quote from psychology professor Elizabeth L. Jaglick. Um, she said that Shof humanized herself to Vincent and instead of being a random victim, she became more of a human being. Um, and that that was a very smart tactic. And so her mentioned that it was very rare or is statistically rare made me want to do some research on just how rare the kidnapping of a person by a stranger is because everyone, everyone in the true crime community kind of knows that kidnappings are done predominantly by family members or people close to the family. Yeah. Um, that random acts of kidnapping really are very um, few and far between. And so I wanted to do some sure. research on that. Um, and so I will admit that I didn't do a whole lot of like in-depth research. So this article was from 2016, I think was the most recent data I have. Um, but statistics vary, but several sources suggest that the odds of your child being kidnapped are about one in 300,000. To put that in perspective, the odds that you will choke to death are around one in 3,400. So, okay. Um, and that's just to be like, just being kidnapped at all. Yeah. So much less like by a stranger. Um, Quote, the fear of children being kidnapped by strangers has been whipped up repeatedly in the U.S., often by cable news programs in search of ratings, fear-mongering politicians seeking votes, and advocacy groups raising money. Barry Glasner, author of The Culture of Fear, told mm -hmm. Attention, which is the website I got this from. In fact, the odds of a child being kidnapped by a stranger are so low that it's about the last thing a parent needs to worry about. Um, so it, this article went on to say that even when parents know how low the chances are that their child will be kidnapped, they still fear kidnappings. Um, this was a Denver Post report from 2010 that they referenced. The myth of frequent kidnappings is so ingrained in parents' minds that they just can't get over it, even when they know it's based on misinformation. And then the post went on to cite experts who found that most missing children cases involve kids who ran away from home for a period of time. Um, even when a child is abducted, it's usually by someone known to the family, such as a relative or friend. Some 75% of kidnappings are, perp are perpetrated by family members or friends, according to the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. But things are changing. After decades of stoking fears of parents, the media appears to be decreasing in the amount of attention they devote to kidnapping cases. Mm -hmm. um, quote, what has decreased is the barrage of media attention to individual cases and the accompanying materials such as advo cards, faces of lost, lost children on milk cartons and posters, mm -hmm. etc. Paula Foss, author of Kidnapped Child Abduction in America, told attention. Uh -huh. Quote, the media has become more aware of the degree to which it inflamed the anxiety among the public and has been more responsible when reporting child abductions to note that cases of stranger kidnappings are rare. And that is something that 
when they mentioned I hadn't thought about in years is like the cards that your parents would update every so often. Yeah. That so that you know like your kidnapping safety card so that if yeah. you went missing they had a laminated card with everything that. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And well, it's and crazy I- to me to think of that now. Because they were so commonplace when we were little. I think as a parent, like, I think the reason why parents are so afraid of that happening. I mean, I know why I'm more afraid of it. And it's because I experienced it as a child. Someone I knew was kidnapped. Um, right. And, or not knew, but knew of and lived close to me like I could see her house from my house like it was a big deal um right but I think it's fear of the unknown right because you can control who you let around your kids you can control like all these other factors but you can't control some rando weirdo driving by and picking up your kid off the street and never seeing them again right and that kind of fear is more prevalent in your mind because you have absolutely no control. It's more scary because you have absolutely no control over it. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and like Dr. Sarah and I are taking a big trip next month. Um, and we have like, Sarah has been reading and researching ways to like make sure your kids stay safe on these big trips where there are lots of people mm-hmm. and I'm like I get that this fear is a very legitimate fear it is. Um, but the the media was preying on it and that has declined um, oh totally it's just one of those things where I think parents even if they like even though the media is chilling or whatever on their reporting and all that stuff and and how they report it and stuff it's still one of those things that is like completely, you know, it's what, yeah, sure. It's so very rare. So the likelihood that it will happen to you is so small, but that what that's what makes it even scarier. Right. It's like, what if you are the one? Right. Um, so, um, and just anything with kids in general is going to get people way more riled up than normal. So let's see. Fast went on to say, quote, our current fixation on pedophilia is probably our biggest misconception of the issue. Fast said, she said, there's little evidence that a large number of kidnappings are based on the desires of pedophiles, which I mean, attached to this case is take it for what it's worth. But in general, um, she said the perceptions of kidnapping motives have changed over time from ransom kidnappings to political kidnappings and pedophilia is the big concern in this decade. Oh, okay. So I misread that. Um, so pedophilia is the biggest reason for kidnapping right now is I think what she was saying. Um, but I had to really reread that. Um, and well, because you have to then this... add in people that, I mean, if you're going to truly think about it in a, in a big way, you have to add in people that maybe ran away to begin with, but then well, get recruited what... into sex trafficking, and then it's right. still part of pedophilia, and it's still kidnapping, right. but it's different. Um, and most people, like, that's a stark reality people don't want to look at, you know? 
And that's what this article opened with was that the vast number of children who are abducted that happens after a period of them having run away. Yeah. Which again, cops is why you should actually fucking care when a kid runs away. Exactly. Apparently that's the hill I'm choosing to live and die on today. No, I'm there. For, I'm here for it. I just, <laughs> it's all awful and terrifying. And It all I mean, sucks. This all is sucks. And this, this, you know, this girl, she did everything quote unquote right, but that's so difficult too to be a kid and to have all these expectations on you to to be able to pretend to be in love with someone to be able to to talk somebody like a grown up out of like down from a from like a rage that's way too much right. to put on a kid and i mean she was able to do it and that's amazing but not every kid would be able to right and if she hadn't been able to it wouldn't have been her fault no 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 like, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, like it's, it's, you know, there's no, that. I just the, the cop is like, oh, it's up her. to her to save herself. Yeah, when the cop says, oh, it's it was definitely her that saved herself. If she had not been able to, they should have still been doing everything they could to find her. Right. Um. So, God, what a heartbreaking story. Absolutely. Um, I I'm glad that she, she is, is safe. She is. I'm glad she, I want, I hope she's happy and healthy and doing wonderful and just like thriving. And yeah. But the last so update fun. I'd seen, she was thriving in college <laughs> and was doing well. She's 14 and that was 2006. So she's about four years younger than me. So she'll be 28 or 29 this year. Good. I hope she's wherever she is. I hope she's happy and well. Yes, agreed. She's a badass. She fucking earned it for real, the hard way. Yeah, for real. I love when we can do survivor stories. Me too. Listen, I am 30 something and I would not, like, I would not have been her. No. In this situation. (laughs) No. Erin, can you tell me what you've been reading lately? Um, well, I just finished. Everything we didn't say, which was one of my book of the month picks. Okay. I really liked it. It was really good. So that was good. Okay. That was a nice. That was the one I picked up the other night. And I was like halfway through it, and I was like, "Oh shit, I'm screwed." Right. What is it about? It is about a girl um, named Juniper, like my kitty cat, who okay goes back to her hometown. Um. She is trying to repair a relationship with her um, her daughter, who is a teenager and um, is, like, her parents raised her daughter. And um, she's also gone back to care for a friend who is dying of cancer. And mixed okay. into all of that is the mystery of the murder of their neighbors, um, which happened the summer that she left town. Okay. And so it goes back over the murder. Um, Her brother was the main suspect. um, And so she's trying to figure out who it was. Um, There's a lot, lots of twists and turns. It's a really interesting story. Um, The father of her child, like, um, 
that whole storyline is very interesting. Like every storyline, the storyline with her parents, the storyline with her friend, the storyline with her brother, it's all like really interesting. The way it all comes together in the end was was good. I really liked it. Um, I figured it out before it ended, but I still really liked hearing how it all shook out. It was very good. That, I'm going to have to look that up. What was that called again? Remind me. Everything we didn't say. Thank you. What about you? What All are you right. reading? And I just got the collective uh, from Book of the Month today, and I'm about to, since it's only ten o'clock, and um, right. it feels like it's three thirty in the morning. I guess I'll read for another hour uh-huh. before I go to sleep. Right. Um. So I finished station 11 on friday mm-hmm. no the glass hotel station 11 was her first book and i liked it a lot more it's by emily st john mandel this was uh-huh. really good too um one of the wonderful things about emily st john mandel is both of her books that i've read so far she has all of these storylines that intertwine and this the characters just like boop into each other's lives for just a minute Mm -hmm. so they all touch and they all like meet at some point and they all Mm -hmm. like influence each other but only just a little bit um and so like two of the characters are brother and sister but like the brother meets somebody who comes into her life much later and they have no idea that they relate like that their storylines have ever touched and they're all she does not have a single character who is just thrown away and i love that 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 everyone is important and all the stories are intertwined. That's kind um, just of the so same masterfully done. with this book that I just finished. Is there are no wasted characters. Everyone has yeah. a story. Everyone has something going on. Um, even if it's just a small story, it's very influential into how the story ends. And I, I right. love that. Um, I'm very, you know, I told you at the top of this episode, I've been dealing with a lot of depression lately. Part of it is the lack of hormones that I'm, I'm you know, I'm just going through a different time right now and um, right. trying to adjust to that as well as I can. So I'm not really feeling the Christmas spirit at the moment, but I have been able to start reading again. And that is really valuable to me because when I can't Good. read a book, it really just bothers me. So it really does like you are in a healthier place when you're reading a lot and so i think that maybe you're coming to the other end of this this big episode right now like you know i and i think too it's i have been forced to make a lot of choices that maybe i would not have made um if i had not been forced to make them you know um i'm stepping aside as the sorority advisor there's a lot of things happening right now and they're all pulling me in a direction and i think once i finally give in to the direction they're pulling me and just start going with the flow that that even though it's scary and unreal kind of um i think that that everything will kind of relax but right now i'm still fighting it a little bit because it's scary so yeah i get that um, well, you know, I mentioned, Aaron, was it last week or a couple weeks ago, that I am envious of your ability to read very quickly? Yes. And um, I realized that part of the reason why I read slowly is because I read like an English teacher, right? So yes. I'm always like 
I'm always deep in the prose and I'm pulling things apart because I love to do that. And I know not everyone does. Like, and it's I'm not envious for everyone. of that in you because I don't. Because literally when I was growing up and I'd be in literature class and they're like, oh, well, they're wearing a green sweatshirt because green means blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, couldn't can't they just be wearing a fucking green sweatshirt because they want to? <laughs> right. Because when I write, I don't write with any of that stuff in mind at all. Right. And so because my natural inclination is to do that, then I take forever in a book. Mm-hmm. And this weekend, I just decided I was going to try to turn that off. Yeah. And I didn't know that it's I awesome, could just turn it? that off. <laughs> so I read this book in three hours. Oh, I heard that book is, which is something really I've good. Never Instructions done. for dancing. It is. Okay. So it's a romance and I know how you love a good romance. I, I only like romance if it's in teen book form because I like angst. So yes. it's a teen romance. Um, this girl's parents. You say that like adults by Nicola be angsty, and I am here to tell you that we right. absolutely can. <laughs> oh no, they one hundred percent can. But adult, none of the adult romance I've ever read is angsty. It's all dramatic without angst. Yeah. But I want angst. Um, gotcha. But the main character. Um, her parents just got divorced because her dad was having an affair. And so she kind of, she had been a big romance reader and she gives mm-hmm. all of her romance books away to the little free library. And there's this like shriveled old woman by the li- little free library who gives her a book called instructions for dancing, mm-hmm. but something happens and she gives her basically like gives her a magic spell where she sees when couples kiss she sees their entire relationship play out from the moment they realize they like each other to the moment that they break up or to like to the end of their relationship Uh and so um it's all about so in the meantime she starts ballroom dancing because this book says like if found please return to this ballroom dance studio sure and she meets a boy there that she starts to fall in love with Ah. and um they become this really brilliant ballroom dancing pair and so it's this ebb and flow of all these relationships in her life like these friendships that break and then repair her relationship with her mom that is crumbling that she's having to put back together her reevaluating her relationship with her dad because she'd written him off completely for his affair and like it was very interestingly done. I love Nicola Yoon. Um, and she is, um, she writes really great, um, storylines of, of, um, young girls who are experiencing life through the lens of people of color. Nicola Yoon is black or mixed, like biracial. Um, and I know that she, her family is, um, multiracial and so her characters tend to reflect that and I love that that's great yay and then today I read three quarters of the other Einstein which is about Albert Einstein and his first wife who actually wrote the theory of relativity and he stole it from her well um, I am also reading a book Um, it's an audio book it's part of a book club online that I belong to. It's called Sisters in Hate, um, American Women on the Front Lines of White Nationalism. And um, it will absolutely infuriate you, but it is great. 
um, I think it's a very important read. Um, if you follow elections or politics at all, you know that um, the biggest number of, um, or the biggest deciding factor in an election right now is white women. And they overwhelmingly yeah. vote Republican. Yes. Um, and it's a very interesting look into, so it's a look into three different women that are part of the white nationalist movement. Um, and why they joined, why, what they're seeming to get out of it. Um, because I mean, let's talk, call a spade a spade. Those people hate women. So, um, right. very, very interesting. Um, how are these people convinced to vote for people that will literally oppress them? So, right. Um, yeah, so I think it's super interesting. Um, it also just makes me so angry that I just want to scream. But it's something that you can't ignore, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like an important book that I'll add to my list. But I'm very excited my to brain talk about is not with... ready for right now. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it with... Um, uh, my online book club and then my other online book club is doing the body keeps the score um very good book if you've never read it i have skimmed through it before but i'm actually reading reading it at this time and it's very good so good that's all I'm about trauma and how your body marks. you know reacts to trauma holds on to it yep yeah that is good to know actually it's good yes. to know about yourself mm -hmm. um well i'm glad to hear that our reading lives are healthy um Yay. Because both of us are better, are nicer people when we're reading more. <laughs> you know, it's the one bright spot in my big fat depression right now. I started writing something no. new, but it's very depressing. So I'm doing it a little bit at a time. <laughs> uh, well, and I was just thinking when you're talking about having to bow out of like your other obligations and stuff, uh -huh. like think about how much time you're going to have to devote to writing. Yeah. Now that you can fill that time with. Yeah. So. That is what I mean, I'm doing. I'm looking at the spaces I can fill my time with writing because that's what I miss the most. My main struggle right now is the fact that I can, like, I told you this sounds so dumb, but I'm going to say it and again. Anyway, on the air, you're welcome. I can, like, I just want to be in a different type of nature. I want to be in the mountains. I want to be in the, the crisp, clean air. That's where I want to be right now, uh -huh. and it's just getting – I've been feeling that for – a couple of years now and now it's just like committing to that and being like this is what I need to be to have to be healthy and to, to recover and to do all the things that I need to do so right <sighs> so uh, annoying sounds like you need to sounds like you need to get on cottagecore talk and see where those women are finding cabins in the woods to live in because they're <laughs> doing it <laughs> I think I've settled on a city for the most part um more will be revealed on here as we move forward um but um, all right yeah um i think i'm pretty much settled i've started looking at apartments i mean my lease isn't up for a year and i got to figure out work stuff and like so much other stuff so it's gonna be a minute right um well just just know that i can always find you a nice place here next to me and then um Nobody else will ever see us again because we are insular when we're together. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Erin, thanks for hanging out with us. Can you tell Anytime. us about um, where to find us on social media? Of course. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod, <laughs> Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Um, you can go to our website, LifetimeSentence.com. Um, we're on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence. Um, you can email us. Is it hello? Podcast at Lifetime Sentence.com. Clearly, I don't email us very often. Um, and if you are in a giving mood today, please, please, please go to Patreon, donate. Uh, $1 gets you all audio content. $5 gets you into all the good stuff. Um, that is patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. And please join us on Discord. Um, we have so much fun. I love our little Discord fam. They are the best people. They're so much fun. I do too. Oh, they're so great. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. So... Um, oh. Drink a seven up, eat a moon pie, quit murdering, quit murdering people. people. <laughs> Ow! Speaking of murder, I'm the cat's gonna murder me. <laughs> also, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. 